You're listening to Give Me Five Podcast, episode 36. Rush out on an uptown train, doors open, and she walks in, she's soaking, caught in the rain, her skin shines, crystalline. This is the Give Me Five Podcast, where each week we discuss all things entertainment. It could be TV shows, movies, music, streaming, video games, whatever. However, this week, because of the huge movie release, Avengers Infinity War, we're going to focus on that. So I'm Greg, and together with my co-host, Jimmy. Jimmy Smash! And Rob. <laughs> Baby Arms! <laughs> <laughs> we are the Give Me Five podcast, and quite frankly, it didn't take us 19 movies to introduce ourselves to you, so take that, Marvel. Yeah. Boom. In your face. And like I said, this week we are going to talk about the Infinity War. This is a review show, and there will absolutely 100% in this episode be spoilers. I normally say we'll try to avoid any major twists, but... That ain't happening. <laughs> that's not going to happen this episode. And here, we usually joke around about past spoilers, but since this episode is a review of a movie that was built up over 10 years... And people are very invested in the story and characters. I We cannot stress enough that there will be spoilers for Avengers Infinity War. Spoilers, Infinity War. Okay? One more time. There will be spoilers for Infinity War. Also... Are there going to be spoilers? For Infinity War, yes. Oh, okay. So nobody can blame us. All right? Also, if you did not know that Greg... That if Greg had infinite power, he would largely use it to annoy me. 100% accurate. I believe that, actually. 90% of what I would do with that power is annoy you. Are you doing it on purpose, then? Yes. <gasps> I mean, no. What's more annoying? I don't, I don't feel like it works if you ask him. <laughs> Although what that might think? be kind of annoying in itself. <laughs> Am I annoying? Am I annoying? Am I annoying? <laughs> I was just thinking that same thing. Yes! So, if you'd like to reach out to us and tell us how annoying Greg is, you can ah, find us on, on Facebook by searching for the Give Me Five podcast. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at Give Me Five Pod, or you can email us directly, Give Me Five Podcast at gmail.com. And also, as always, guys, leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you're using. It really helps us stand out. Also, we have a store. You can get all of your neat Give Me Five Podcast merchandise at GiveMeFivePodcast.Threadless.com. Cell phone covers, we got them. Bath mats, they're there too. Oh, yeah. Some t-shirts, we got t-shirts for days. So Yeah, that reminds me, I'm going to talk about something in a second, but I was wearing my Give Me Five Podcast t-shirt at the uh, Rockville concert, which I'll talk about in very soon. Mm-hmm. And a couple things. First of all, I had a bunch of people compliment me on it, which made me happy. A bunch of people were asking about the podcast or wondering awesome. if it was if it was me and you know, took pictures of it to so that they could find the podcast. So if there are any new listeners out there based on the Rockville concert, uh, thank you and welcome. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing was I was walking kind of against the stream into a crowd of people and everyone was seeing the shirt that said, give me five. And it caused a deluge of sweaty, uh, stinky concert goers wanting to give me a high five. <laughs> and, Which, uh, and you hate germs. 
And I do hate germs, oh, first yeah. of all. But Second you could, of all. But you're a nice guy. But I'm a nice person, and I also don't want to, you know, alienate any potential listeners if they do figure out what it is. So I was forced to high-five, like, 20 people in a row um, <laughs> at an outdoor rock concert with no real way of washing my hands. Uh, and you were thinking, so, I've made a horrible, horrible miscalculation. I have. I have. <laughs> And if, if you're new to the show and you're just checking us out and you're wondering why drunk you took a picture of some guy's shirt, then there you go. Now you, you know. found us. <laughs> oh, yeah. welcome. Welcome, Rockville. Yes. Okay. Moving on from there. I guess uh, anything new, guys, since I'm already chatting? Yeah. Well, I guess I'll go ahead and go first. Um, conquered some, I guess, fears, you could say, this past weekend. I went to Universal. And I finally mustered up the courage to ride Rip Ride Rocket. Ooh. And of course I listened to Kickstart by Heart by Motley Crue. That is exactly what you're supposed to listen to, to that ride. Unless you're aware of the secret menu, then um, you you have to, right? So uh, absolutely worth the wait. It it was – it's a terrifying – it looks really scary. Um, so also relevant to the episode, I rode the Hulk for the first time. Ooh, wow. It was so fast and so much shorter than Infinity War, but (laughs) awesome, awesome. And and a bit of new news because that might not be new news to a lot of people. As an aside on the Hulk ride, um, I am friends with the guy that designed the cars that bring you around. Very cool. It was a 3D model that he was just playing with on his on his uh computer just randomly and made it green and i don't know exactly the story behind it but he brought it to the universal where he works and that's what they eventually adapted into the cars well it's a fantastic ride and uh i kept my eyes open the whole time now on a a a downside to that visit um rode the fast and the furious ride Mm. it was neither fast nor was it furious I've I've heard a lot of people saying that it was not fast and they were furious that they wrote it. <laughs> Dude, it's so bad. When you get on a ride at Universal and you don't even have to put on a seatbelt, that's a red flag right there. Is it? Because I, I've seen some stuff from it and it looks like it's a simulator ride a la King Kong Skull Island. Is that what it is? Where it like takes you through a tunnel and it simulates the movement? Yes. Um, I have not Oh, that's ridden- disappointing. Uh, I have not ridden Skull Island yet. When I think Fast and the Furious, I think, okay, cool, I'm going to get in a race car and go really fast. Mm-hmm. But spoiler alert. I honestly thought that it was going to be something like the one at Epcot, like Test Track. Yeah, that, oh, and that's, it, that's oh, what man. I was picturing as well. It should have been, and it really should have been. You don't have to encourage the street racing element of it. Just have you race against time or something. But no, and spoiler alert, instead you get in a <laughs> – Surprise, Dom has just won another race, so Ludacris is going to take you to the after party. Wow. So you get in a a limo party bus thing? How lame is that? Dude, it's so lame. Oh, like you've ever been brought to an after party by Ludacris, Rob? But still, if I'm getting in a ride called Fast and Furious and it ends up being a limo ride to an after party... I don't the, care if Ludacris is driving me or not. <laughs> the lead like, up actually, to it, Ludacris, not a movie of Ludacris. Look, so anyway, I think I, I think those movies are stupid to begin with, and you know if I, I think if you're a, a real big fan of that franchise, then you'll enjoy the ride. But I have to tell you, it's very short and disappointing. And um, man, if if you Kinda go like there, 
if you go there in, in peak season um, and you wait for it, if, if, if you stand in line for two hours, just don't go when the, the wait time is 15 to 30 minutes, you know, 45. If I waited two hours for that, I would have been so upset. And from the sounds of it, it sounds like it won't be very long until the wait is only 30 minutes or less. It's I, I can I can tell you that even though the ride just opened, it's already dated, and mm-hmm. um, it, there were more there are more restraints on the ET ride. Oh my god! Than there are on that, so it is just a disappointing romp through a dumb franchise, in my opinion. But and you know, I, if you're a big I, fan of the, the movies, check it out. I bet you money that they still make you go to dump stuff off at lockers. Um, no. Oh, they don't. Oh, thank God. No, 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 no. But they, they, man, how many times did they say, um, no flash video or photography or flash photography or video? They must've said that 40 to 50 times because it will alert the enemy to our position. So dumb. They just, they just don't want people to know how crappy the ride is. It's so bad, dude. That's disappointing. I'm surprised. It means I can actually ride it though. Because if it was actually Fast and Furious, I would be Fast and Furiously vomiting afterwards. Well, but the problem is, is the problem is, is if it's a simulator, even though it's not Fast and Furious, it may make it seem like it and still give you the vertigo. Because Kong still does it to me. Mm. Yeah, and that's Kong why is not and Kong is not moving very fast. So, I mean, and like like the Minion ride or the uh, the Body Wars ride, you're not actually moving anywhere. But those make me so nauseous, I can't do them. I like that you went deep on the Body Wars thing. Something that hasn't been there for at least 15 years. Yeah. The Star <laughs> Tours. It became yeah. Star Tours. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Body Wars did? I thought it did. No, Body Wars was at, um, at the the human body thing at Epcot. Oh, was it? Yeah. And it's I, it, I think it became... I'm not sure what it became. Rob, that is a research department thing for you to look up. Your right mom! Now. <laughs> right now, as I talk about Rockville 2018, briefly. So I went to a concert up in Jacksonville, and I'm not going to talk too much about it now because I'm thinking about possibly doing a little special episode on it for about 30 minutes or so, maybe later this week or the early next week. But it's a big concert, uh, three stages outside of the Jacksonville Jaguars Stadium. And what I can say is it was a ton of bands, some of which I was very familiar with, such as Foo Fighters and Ozzy Osbourne and and Queens of the Stone Age. I've seen all those guys a bunch of times. And there's a bunch of bands that I did not know much about or knew about, like Clutch, and I've never seen them live. And, you know, I was impressed with almost every single band. There was no one I would consider to be bad. There were some that actually surprised me at how good they were. Uh, there was a band called Greta Van Fleet, who was a bunch of like 19 and 20 and 21 year olds, who they sound exactly like Led Zeppelin. Like, mm. I was, again, I'll probably get into this more later, but the first couple days of the show, I was walking around. They, they played on the third day. And the first day of the show, I saw this these Greta Van Fleet shirts everywhere. And I thought that it was like one of those free giveaway shirts. And it was like some local company. Because the shirts look like uh, the same uh, Stranger Things logo, but with Greta Van Fleet. So I was like, okay, maybe it was just a giveaway. Then the next day, I heard people like, I saw the shirt in one of the merch tents. But anyway, the third day, when they came on, it was like early in the day. And people had like were lining up for it. And they came out and they were incredible they have like eight songs to their name on an album and i by the end of their set i'd already like purchased their album on amazon wow yeah um, they were they were really good um, 
hearing the name Greta Von Fleet, I'm just like, oh, okay, it's a soul singer. That's what I thought too. Like, I thought it was either like some local company or some like soul singer. Like, I kind of thought that maybe it was like the local band that gets to play in the giant rock show because like a lot of times they'll do that, but like one or two local bands open. So I thought it might have been that. But apparently they're named after uh, a local woman where they're from, which is uh, somewhere in Michigan. And her name is Gretna Van Fleet. And she's like this, just, uh, I looked her up. She's like this adorable little old grandmother lady. And it was one of those things where they changed, because they didn't want to completely choose to take her name and do Gretna Van Fleet, they changed it to Greta Van Fleet. And then they made it big. So they couldn't kind of like change the name. And also they contacted her and she was like, ah, it's okay, you can use my name. But Rockville 2018, it's like the sixth of the ones that they've done. It leads off a concert series across the country. There'll be, there'll be a bunch of these bands will go to Texas, a couple other places, I think Kentucky. But it was really well done. And I had a great time. And I will, again, probably try to talk about it at some point later this week or next week. And I guess one other thing. I just Body saw... Body Works was shut down in 2007. 2007? And where was and it? The, the It was in Future World at Epcot. And the building remains vacant today. They use it for storage during food and wine. Ah, that's what we got to break into. If that's where they're storing all the food and wine. Hell, heck yeah. Uh, Mike Patton would hate Greta Van Fleet. I just checked him out. Why? There's a video of uh, Mike Patton, singer of Faith No More, uh, being interviewed at a festival and Wolf Mother is playing in the background, <laughs> which is who they remind me of. And he goes, he's just like, what? He just stops the interview and he's like, do you, do you guys hear this? Is it, are we trying to go back to the 70s? <laughs> Oh, they're um, very, they were very seventies. Yeah. It was interesting. They, in the interviews I saw. They are so young looking. Oh, they are young. It was interesting. An interview I saw with them, they were like, they had not ever heard Led Zeppelin until like late in high school, but all of them had different musical styles. Like one of them liked soul, one of them liked folk, one of them liked whatever. And this is kind of the sound they had. And then the lead singer kind of did the, he changed his voice to go like higher pitched. So that he's a, so that you could actually hear him through all the other music, and everyone's like, "Well, you sound like Led Zeppelin." Led Zeppelin. He's like, "Who?" <laughs> like, and that's kind of where it came, where the comparisons came from. But definitely worth checking out. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is there is a TV series coming to Hulu called Castle Rock, which is based on the Steve, on Stephen King's world, and I don't know too much about it. I couldn't find anything called uh, Castle Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Siri. <laughs> That's that was completely uh, random. My phone is actually across the room. It's like I can't even reach it now if I wanted to. But anyway, Siri. Siri has not heard of Castle Rock, but now all of you listeners have. It's a TV show. It's going to be based in like Stephen King's world. It's got a lot of people that have the actors that have been in Stephen King's stuff, like uh, the guy that plays Pennywise in the new movie and a bunch of other people like that. And it's it kind of runs adjacent to the books, where it's like what this town things happen kind of like in the Stephen King novels, and there's references at least in the opening trailer to everything from you know, Shawshank Redemption to Tommy Knockers to it to Dark Tower. And it looked really interesting. So the trailer's out, and it might cause me to have to get Hulu for at least a couple months. Hey, hey. Well, I think it's time for snap decisions. In this section, we bring up bits of news and ask the other's opinion. We keep them secret so that they, we can have a genuine reaction when the question or opinion is posed. No reaction or opinion is also valid. So what do we got? Well, I think we just got one this time because of 
the giant movie that came out. Uh, one of the bands I saw this weekend was Stone Temple Pilots. Mm. And Stone Temple Pilots is now on its, well, technically third lead singer. Uh, the first one died of a drug overdose. And mm-hmm. Scott Weiland very famously had problems with drugs and passed away in 2015. The second one was Chester Bennington, yes, who committed suicide uh, about a year ago. He was also the lead singer of Linkin Park. So sounds like that's a very bad position to take. It truly is. It really is. It's uh, you know, it's you don't want to say that a band is cursed, but they seem cursed. But anyway, the uh, they played, and the new lead singer was was really good. You know, he definitely he did. He sounded a little bit like Scott Weiland. A little bit less gravelly voice, but he probably also hasn't been a drug addict for 15 years of his life or 20 years or whatever it's been. But anyway, that just got me thinking of just various bands that will either tour or you know release albums with after a major member of the band, a a recognizable member of the band has passed away, mm-hmm. and keep, and you know they keep their name. So I was wondering what you guys thought about bands that do that will put out an album or tour again under the same name after someone in the band has passed away or, you know, left under some sort of nefarious means. All right. First, Jimmy? Sure. I'll try and do this in a minute because I have a lot of mixed opinions on it. So starting now, I'm going to start with talking about a band that I've talked about so many times on this show, uh, Joy Division. So Joy Division if you guys aren't aware, the singer, I hate to bring this, you know, bring this back into it, but committed suicide, um, right before they were going to go on their first U.S. tour and right before they were expected to blow up. Um, Ian Curtis, the singer of the band was such a huge part of that. He was the voice of Joy Division. Joy Division later went on, uh, as New Order and had great success. Um, I think it just depends. It's hard to say who's, you know, that much more important than anybody else in the band. But when there's such a strong voice in there that passes away, I think it'd be weird to sing Linkin Park again, just as weird as it is to see the doors touring with the singer of Train. It's just not the same. The singer of Train? I thought it was, yep. the, it was the singer. I didn't know that. I thought it was the singer from Cult. The Cult. I thought it was Ian Asper. Hang on. They do a bunch of different tours, but also you get one of these. <laughs> Rob, do you have anything? Um, I mean, I, my feelings on this really aren't all that strong, but I would say that no, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I mean, bands change members all the time, and they don't change the uh, they don't change the name of the band. Um, just just because the front man dies or leaves or something happens, I I don't feel that it's it, as long as the as long as the core of the band is still intact. I don't I don't think it's it's a big deal to continue touring under the same name. I hate when I agree with you, Rob. Ah, boom. We're going to change the name of this segment to Agreeing with Rob. We are not. I disagree. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think as someone who has seen people in bands try to like struggle and struggle and struggle to try to get known, and if you're either on the precipice of becoming big or if you have made it big and you have to hold on to that, one person, whether it be tragic or not, you know, leaving the band, you know, I mean, look at some of the bands that happened to. It, I, I don't think it's a, let me cut back there. I don't think it's a reason for them to stop and change the name and stuff. I mean, we would have never known Metallica as Metallica as the bass player died at the after what I think is their best album, but it's not their biggest album. Their biggest album came two albums later. Yeah. Uh, ACDC didn't become famous until they got 
the very gravelly voiced Brian Johnson who came mm-hmm. in, who did um, uh, Shook Me All Night Long, which came after Bon Scott and he had died. Uh, Fleetwood Mac became more famous after, you know, after someone left and, you know, Pink Floyd became more famous after their lead singer left and they switched to two lead singers. So yeah, you can say that time and time again. I don't, I don't think that the institution, unless it's so ingrained in what the lead singer is or the musician mm-hmm. is, I don't think the institution of the band should should uh, go away. Yeah, um, <laughs> Patrick Monahan, just to kind of kind of correct, not correct myself, but kind of cross reference. Uh, Pat Monahan is a singer of Train, um, and he he has performed with the Doors before. Um, I just I just think That's Jim so Morrison weird. was such a big part of the Doors that it's it's weird to send anybody else um, mm-hmm. with them, but. Like you guys were saying, if Ray Manzarek and Robbie Krieger were to go out there and start a new band, they'd they'd have to be like, "Hey, we were in the doors. We were in the doors. Hey, come check us mm-hmm. out. We were in the doors." Um, so, I think one of them is dead now as well, but that was from old age, not from anything else. But I think I think it's Ray Manzarek, who I read, in, who I rode in an elevator with at the House of Blues in Los Angeles. Did you? My dad couldn't do stairs, so we went in an elevator, and I looked. I'm like, "Oh my god." <laughs> You're, you're the keyboardist from the doors. Uh, Ray Manzarek is, yeah. He nice. died at 74. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. And um, I think so we can get to the the main event here, the culmination of, of 10 years of movies. We should uh, move on, correct? I think so. Let's go. Well, guys, it is time to talk about our first and only topic, The Infinity War, which is the 19th Marvel film. That's not counting TV shows, all the miniseries, and any of the little shorts that have showed up on the Blu-rays. God, there have been uh, 19 just, already? Yeah. There have in 10 years. Wow. And it is directed by Joe and Anthony Russo, who, of course, did uh, so famously well with Captain America Civil War and Captain America Winter Soldier, mm. as well as some of the episodes of Arrested Development, which will play a part a little bit later in our conversation. That movie stars just about everybody. Uh, there's a pretty good chance if you are an actor and your name is Chris, you have been in a Marvel movie. <laughs> so good for you guys. And this movie uh, had the biggest opening of all time, which yeah. is expected, uh, but crazy. Yeah, kind of crazy. Um, like how far can you go kind of deal. And I was a little surprised to see that the movie that it beat out was The Force Awakens. Um, not too surprised, I guess, but. You know, see movies like Titanic or, you know, um, the original Star Wars. Well, there's differences because with movies like Force Awakens and stuff like that, they they count it by money. And mm. IMAX showings and 3D um, IMAX showings bring in a lot more money than Titanic did when the tickets were like 650 a pop or 750 a pop. Oh, okay. So unfortunately, they don't talk about individual tickets sold. But if that was the case, I think Gone with the Wind will still have the record yeah yeah so anyway um going into the movie i just you know it's it took 10 years to get to this point uh did you have any like feelings about that going in like the you know, 10 year journey i know jimmy you probably haven't seen all of them as they came out i've seen everyone in the theater i think really? Rob probably has too i i haven't. haven't no i haven't seen everyone um in the theater it does what not feel think? like 10 years no so did you have any feelings like going into that I definitely did. That it took so long to get to this point? No, just, you know, like, wow, this is the culmination of a 10-year journey. Not really. 
Cause I was personally, I was, I didn't really want this movie. Like I was excited about the movie coming out, but I didn't want it to come out. Okay. So I know, I know where you're going with that now. And, um, yes, actually, uh, my feelings going into it were, man, this is the end. This kind of sucks. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the thing. Cause like these mm-hmm. actors have played these characters for a very long time. Well, yeah. And you go, man, Robert Downey Jr. is old. He can't do this forever. You know? Yeah. That's the thing. And there's, there's contracts involved and some of the actors want to do other things. And, you know, Chris Evans is are, Captain America. Aren't but, they only in phase two right now? And there's four planned phases. Uh, I think this is phase. Wait, you said there's in, they're in phase two right now. I, I thought they were in phase two right now. They're getting ready to start phase three, meaning there's two more phases. They're about halfway through. I think so, but a lot of the actors are, are not contracted anymore after Avengers 4. Like Chris Evans and uh, Robert Downey Jr. I think only had like six or ten pictures, and all of them have kind of been doing deal to deal. I'm not sure entirely the business behind it. God, but, that's a lot. Yeah. That's and a lot for one actor – to be signed to a, a, you are the face of the franchise. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Cause to a, a lot of people, well, go oh, Chris Evans is captain America, but he also does Broadway. He does mm-hmm. you know, other pictures and you know, he, that's not all he wants to do. Yeah. But, and I, I know we're not to that point yet, but yeah, it's, and I'm diverging a little bit, but it'll be very short. It's going to be so weird to see someone else as Wolverine. Yeah. It just like, it would be so weird to see, Someone else is Tony Stark or, or Cap, you know? Well, but see, the Cap one, I think they can actually get around. I don't think they actually have to recast Steve Rogers. Yeah, true. Cause it can, true. anyone can wear the thing. In fact, in the comics, it was, well, why don't Falcon you wear it, one. Greg? I, I could, I could. I just need that super serum. And we go back to, you know, heading into the movie real quick. I was like, you know, I was really excited about it coming out, but I, was, I didn't want it to. It, my thought was kind of very similar to, when people said that like Negan was coming to walking dead where you kind of knew what was going to happen when Negan showed up on walking dead. And I was like, why do you guys want that to happen? And knowing what the infinity gauntlet story is and how it ended, I was like, well, I don't know if I'm not going to be super thrilled with this Mm -hmm. and knowing that it might lead to some actors leaving the franchise. And I don't know it was, it was, it was kind of like Christmas, you know, you, you get really excited, but then when you're done right opening up the presents, you, you know, you're going to be left with a bunch of like of wrapping paper and regret. Yeah. So, so that's where I, I could go with that. However, that being said, as the movie got closer, I was really excited to see it like that whole day. That's all I could think about. Yeah. I just kind of woke up and that day I finished my, my homework assignment. I saw it Sunday. So I turned everything in and I'm sitting there and I'm going, my, <laughs> My biggest motivation other than seeing it and seeing how the story, you know, was going to go was, holy shit, I don't want to go into work on Monday not having seen this. Oh, yeah. Was a big part of it. Well, we work with a bunch of nerds and they would have spoiled it. Although, oddly enough, it turns out they they wouldn't have, which is weird, but none of our students saw it, which is strange. Yeah. What's wrong with them? I don't know. Although. Kids today. Yeah. Anyway, so did any of you guys get out of there without being spoiled? Yeah. Uh, well, well, I, I go, ahead. go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, I, 
the I did get a spoiler, but it wasn't any because I know the story of the Infinity Gauntlet, and I was I'm com, I was completely prepared for this to be a at least a two part movie. Yeah. Um, and and I know the story of the Infinity Gauntlet War, and I know how it went, right. and I had a strong feeling of where they were actually going to end the movie, and that's actually where they ended the movie. And I'm like, that, okay. that happened to me as well. I'm like, I know exactly the cut point. Yeah, because the the biggest spoiler I got was, oh, it's a sad movie. It's a really sad movie, and I'm like, yeah, okay, so I, I I know pretty much where it's gonna end, and that that was exactly where it ended. Yeah, and I think we'll definitely cover that before cover that again because I think there was a lot of people in our theaters that have no idea one about the business of movies, two mm-hmm. about what the comic book was. But yeah, I managed to pretty much avoid every single spoiler except for one, and that was Thor's new hammer slash axe because there was a Lego set that had it in it. Oh, and I just happened to see it at the Lego store, and I was like, oh, that's a Stormbreaker. Which yeah. is in the comic, but of course, there's a lot of things in the comic that eventually make their way over. Was so Peter Dinklage in the comic? No, I thought that was weird. By the way, well, I think we'll have to cover that too. That was eh, questionable. Mm-hmm. So he like almost seemed like he just didn't care to be there. He's like, whatever. He does that. Well, that was just the same British accent he uses for for uh, Game of Thrones too. So it was like, what, you know, what's Tyrion doing here? Yeah. So I thought that was that was a little weird. That actually was the one thing that took me out of the movie, of all things, considering I like him. And also, I, I immediately yeah. started thinking about him voicing the little drone thing from Destiny. Because, like, if people said, well, he didn't seem like he wanted to be there either. It just seemed, it seemed overplayed. Which, it's like, oh, I'm here. All right, let's make this hammer thing, Thor. Yeah. I, mean, I like the scene in general, but I don't know. Anyway, so uh, huge number of characters in this movie. Huge number of plot lines. How do you think they did? Man, going into it. Oh, I didn't really answer the spoiler question. Um, so to back up a little bit, you, my friend, are very funny. Um, Greg, I'm talking to you. Um, knowing that you're the comic book nerd that you are, I was not familiar with the Infinity Gauntlet, um, with the series in the comics. So as you and I were talking about, oh, you know, so-and-so is going to die, so-and-so is going to die. And I was so sure that two characters were going to die. And you didn't say yes and you didn't say no when we were talking about that. I'm talking about Captain America and Tony Stark. I did not say yes, nor did I say no. Exactly. I was ambiguous. Um, (laughs) I was absolutely certain that they were both gone. I was so certain that Captain America was going to die. So it surprised me walking into the movie. If if you guys have not had the movie spoiled by now, if you've not seen it, when you're walking into the movie, keep in mind that the people walking out of the movie have probably just seen it. They're excited and they want to talk about it. So well, one day, if they're listening to this exact part of the podcast, they've been very spoiled. Yeah, <laughs> but I but know what just you mean. in general, I kind of found that out, you know, with Rogue One. And with Infinity War walking in, I just kind of found myself going, ah, 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 like kind of drifting from, you know, one side to the other, kind of like sticking my finger in my ear, like pretending I was scratching my ear. Because everyone's talking like, I don't believe that this was this. And I don't They're believe like, that oh, person well, died. I knew blah, blah, blah was going to die, but I didn't know so-and-so was going to die. I don't want to hear it. So how did I think they did? Um, that is so many characters to pack into – 
the the shared starring role of one movie that man i didn't i i couldn't have seen that coming together as smoothly as it did there were some kind of convenient you know left out characters like ant-man mm-hmm. there's a reason why ant-man wasn't there and you know marvel's next film coming out in the theater is ant-man and wasp uh hawkeye was MIA, but in Civil War, Hawkeye had come out of retirement. So during Infinity War, he's like, I'm no, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, he was done. He probably had no idea that this was happening. True. Eventually he fi- he'll figure it out. I'm sure he'll figure it out eventually. And he'll, and I'm sure he'll show up in Avengers four. Yeah. And I, I didn't, and I didn't I'll, mind Hawkeye in Civil War. Yeah. I, I will actually be very interested to see if they reference the, mass event that you that they should not be able to get away from in ant-man and wasp because if if ant-man and wasp is supposed to happen after avengers then then there should be at least some kind of reference to the ending of avengers in the movie ant-man and wasp it's something that they that they can't just ignore no Uh, you can't yeah you can't ignore half the world's population turning into dust universe yeah yeah so, well, I'm guessing because they just released the full trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp, I think yesterday, and it is mm-hmm. very light in tone, like very jokey, mm-hmm. you know, no possible way that they would be able to use that kind of tone if it was, if the events take place after. And there is a little part of me that wonders if, because the, the story of Ant-Man and Wasp is f- going to be probably the fact that they're going to go back into that like quantum zone to try to rescue uh, the original Wasp or, or um, Wasp's mom. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I forget her name. I think it's like Janet Van Dyne or something. And if it's the Greta Von Fleet. It's Greta Von Fleet, yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're uh, possibly going to be in that quantum zone while all this is happening conveniently, but it is a possibility. Mm. But it, it doesn't leave much for a B team, really. We've got what Hawkeye, Ant-Man, Wasp, depending on if none of them got vaporized. And, that's really, you know, there's, oh, and Korg, there'll be some Korg running around because we didn't see anything with him. No, that's unfortunate. No, Korg is and, dead. No, he's not. That the Korg and I believe the Ravagers, this was said not in the movie, but escape with half of the Asgardians. So not all the, not everyone on that ship is, is dead. Oh, okay. Because the, um, you know, the, the guy that, uh, was always with, um, who's the head of the Ravagers? Mary Poppins. <laughs> Yondu. Sorry. Yondu. So there's that one guy that was always with Yondu. He's actually played by, I think, the director's brother. Um, he actually came out. He's like, I'm still alive. Hmm. And there was some conversation about, like, they're not going to introduce Korg and that group of people and then have them basically die off camera. So they're they're still around. Uh, well, that that does raise the question, though, of how they escaped, because weren't they still on the ship when Thanos's when Thanos's ship encountered them? And if that's the case, that really makes me respect Thanos a lot less if he let, you know, somebody if he let a, a vessel escape from, <laughs> from, you know, the slaughter. I'm like, well, how do how do you just not see well, you don't have you don't have I mean, it could have just escaped. It's not that he let them escape. You know, things happen. He let a lot of people escape. He let half of all of the universe escape. And it's po- weren't the Ravagers with the Guardians? I did. I didn't think I the Ravagers time. were. I thought the core. I thought. I thought. Well, the 
the Ravagers were with the the Guardians, but the Guardians weren't on the ship with the Asgardians. Cord yeah. was on the ship with the Asgardians. Yeah. Either Korg way, some, somehow, somehow that group did uh, escape. So that that will either be revealed in the next Avengers movie, or it will probably re- be revealed in the next Guardians movie, which is also on the calendar. Are, are we still revert, re, uh, referring to the next Avengers film as Avengers Four? Yes, the title hasn't been released yet. Safe to say that it's going to be Infinity War Two. They that's the placeholder title currently, Infinity War Two. But there mm-hmm. is going to be a title. They don't want to release the title because they don't want to give the story away, and they think or they don't want to give anything away at this point, And they feel that the title that they've chosen for the movie would give some of the some of the stuff away. Yeah, I see that. Well, Zoe Zeldana in, an, in another interview said accidentally referred to it as the Infinity Gauntlet, meaning not only the glove but like running the gauntlet. Okay, so that is a possible title, but she, of course, quickly ro- rolled that back. Oh, that's, that was a mistake. Might be a title, might not. I might be spreading horrific rumors. Ooh. How dare you? So I, I'd i probably have to agree with you, Jimmy. The, in, in my opinion, I think they did an excellent job in stitching all of the storylines together. Um, there were a couple of things that, that they didn't get to that I did have questions about. And, and to be, to be fair, I should probably mention them, like, because they, they don't really explain how it is that, that Thanos has tracked all of the gems. All right. So um, that was a big question of mine, which I'll ask, but. Yeah. And, and so, so there is some stuff that got left out, but all in all, I felt that they did actually a really good job, uh, stitching all of the, all of the main characters storylines together. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that Marvel's been wo- working on for ten years. Take note, DC. That's how yeah, you. I do knew it. that was coming. Totally knew that was coming. That's how you do it. You got to lay the groundwork before you can just throw everybody together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you they, didn't have to explain why things are emotional, why there's emotional connections. They just were exactly you cared about the characters already. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I I felt that they did a masterful job in putting putting all of these characters into one movie and making it a coherent and not just an eye candy, like, Oh my God, look at that. Oh my God, look at that. You know, they did an actual really good job making a meaningful and impactful movie. I was wondering about the tracking things down as well. Well, one, he gets the power stone off of off camera, right? Because the power stone when last we saw it was left with the Nova core in guardians of the galaxy. Oh, is that the one that they had? Okay. Yeah. So, Assuming that he basically laid waste to that entire group of planetary defenders to get that stone. And which I think was a, I think that was the yellow one, maybe? I don't I don't know the colors for those. Oh, it was the one from Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it was the blue one. Okay. So they uh so that was the power stone. And that one he just had that one without any showing or whatever. They didn't film it. I mean that would have been expensive, very expensive. Mm-hmm. And there, but there's never, there was never been any conversation of like, well, maybe if you have one of the stones, you can track down the others. Now there was a few that he probably knew just because of either people running their mouth or just word of mouth. Cause he had all the Chitari out there doing stuff. He had Loki out there doing stuff. Mm-hmm. So he knew where some of them were, but that doesn't explain all of them. I haven't gone stone to stone, but yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think they did a really good job also with the vast number of characters as well. And I think a big part of it was being able to split the characters up into different areas to do different things pretty organically Mm -hmm. and having them almost start off 
in those various areas so that the characters are given a chance to shine with new people to play off of. Cause like, you know, I, like I kind of want a Thor and rocket raccoon movie. Yeah. Like I'd see that. I, and I, I also really enjoyed the interaction between uh, Tony and Dr. Strange. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really good. I, there's having not seen Dr. Strange. I didn't expect him to be so sassy. He's a, he's a surgeon. He's totally sassy. <laughs> Rob knows. Yeah. It's interesting because he is way more powerful in this movie than he was in the Doctor Strange movie, which is, makes sense because he's just getting his powers in the Doctor Strange movie. But he's more of a badass in this one, I thought, where he's able to you know conjure up the spells and use the cape much more to advantage than he did before when you know the cape would move in his movie. It would kind of startle him most of the time. And can I just say how awesome it was that they paid enough attention to the detail that the scars on his hands were still there? I did see that. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Power Stone is purple. Power Stone is purple. Kind of blue. Yeah, kind of. Um, I I do have a question about okay. this, and you guys being a lot more familiar with the story than I did, than I I am. Um, I I I was kind of sitting there going, well, how did Thanos get so powerful? I guess this goes to um tracking the the stones. How did he command so many people before that followed him and he had these, you know, super powerful people fighting with him? Does that, does, does that warrant a Thanos, you know, origin story? Or is, is it, it, was it as, as quick as it seemed? Because it's just like, oh, Thanos is here. He's super powerful. Well, back in the day, <laughs> like when the Infinity Gauntlet book first came out, there mm-hmm. was no, other people there was there was nebula and gamora and drax but there wasn't any you know ebony ma which was the the herald type guy or any of those guys and they came out in a guy named jonathan hickman's run about five years ago in a storyline called infinity i usually they explained everything with thanos as he would go into any planet basically murder everybody and if he decided to let someone live, they would almost just bow down to him and, okay, fine, I'm going to help you. And there weren't very many of those people. And they, a lot of them either kind of leaned into it, like Nebula kind of did, mm-hmm. or hated themselves for doing it, like Gamora, and then set themselves against him. But he was so powerful that they couldn't do anything about it until other superpowered beings kind of rose to power. Mm-hmm. But they never really explain it fully, I don't think. Just been something that he wanted to do that kind of answer your question i guess in a way yeah i just how did he get so many people to follow him i mean how well, did he get so powerful i just kind of he always was he huh. he was i mean just like any just like any warlord who rises to power i mean it, it, it's kind of like that i mean Th- thanos if i'm not mistaken was an extremely powerful entity in the in the comic realm um in such that he could he could basically subjugate people at will. I mean, he could he could force people to follow them, and once he'd forced enough people to follow him, then he's even stronger because he's got this huge army behind him. Yeah, he, he actually like first appeared in a Iron Man comic in like nineteen seventy something. It was like Iron Man fifty five, I think, mm-hmm. and was kind of a throwaway villain. But it wasn't until uh, Jim Starlin started doing the, the Infinity Gauntlet stuff and him ca- gathering all the stones that he became an actual threat. He was kind of just your, you know, typical warlord type without any real backstory. And then 
when this guy wanted to do a massive uh, cosmic story, he's like, well, who can I use that we don't know anything about? And he just kind of grabbed Thanos. And okay. the whole part of Thanos that is – it's in the Marvel movie universe, but it's not really in this movie, oddly enough, is his love of death. Because mm-hmm. if the first time you ever see Thanos, he says the thing about courting death. And that was, what, at the end of Avengers, I think? I think so. He says something about courting death, and the whole thing in the comics was that Thanos wanted to kill half of the universe to try to impress death because he was in love with her and she was an actual Grim Reaper-esque figure. Entity, yeah. Yeah. And, and he wanted, and he was in love with her and he wanted to give half of the population of the universe to her as a present. Now, that being said, I did, I did kind of like the motivation in the movie better than, than that motivation. I did too. I was a little scared that they were going to go that route because they have leaned into some of their weirder things, you know, a talking mm-hmm. raccoon or is it rabbit? <laughs> yeah. It's a talking yeah. rabbit. Yeah. I laughed every time. Every, every like, time. Yeah. That Thor called rocket raccoon a rabbit, but. Beyond that. <laughs> the talking uh, rabbit is correct. Yeah, they leaned into it there. They leaned into, into weirdness with like Dormammu and the Doctor Strange movie, a bunch of that kind of stuff. And with it, with the the death thing, I was like, oh, that's going to be kind of weird. But I, I actually liked it. I was actually wondering if you were going to, Rob, because you, you, are, you are the nitpickiest of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering if you were going to be like, well, if he had all the power in the world, why doesn't he, rather than killing half of everybody, why doesn't he just double all of the resources? And... I was wondering about that. So I, I actually semi-prepared for you to bring that up because I have heard other people bring that up. Because that, apparent, that wouldn't solve the problem. That would just that would Well, just I mean, if you, if you have infinite power, you can keep on... You could, that is one thing, but you could also, also say that he could just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. But using the glove to that, or the gauntlet to that ends, is going mm-hmm. to burn out the user to the point of where, yeah, it is kind of a one-time deal. And also... There's got to be something with the Soul Stone needing like a sacrifice kind of thing, because mm-hmm. we saw enough of that to kind of hint. So that's that. It was it was a thought that did pass my mind, pass through my mind. And then of course I saw various articles written like, well, why is this glaring plot hole there? And it's because Thanos like, tends to want to kill things, so like mm-hmm. burning up that ability. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like well, using I, 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 your special attack. And I thought yeah, they exactly. did a good job of illustrating that with the damage that was suffered to his arm and the gauntlet after he used that much power to do what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I it, it, was... bas- it basically scorched and destroyed, or not destroyed, but it scorched and scarred up his entire arm that the gauntlet was on, and the gauntlet was all dented, misshapen, and burnt up. Yeah. After using I thought they it. did a really good job of selling his his actual motivation just with showing what his planet looked like. Doing that like mm-hmm. fadeaway thing, yeah. The reality stone, which at that point it was like, okay, this is what he saw happen. It makes sense, and of course, playing that off of um, Baby Gamera too. Just you know, those little moments, as well as I thought that uh, Brolin, Josh Brolin, was really good as Thanos. Yeah, yeah, he was. He had a, just a whole bunch of nuance. You actually, I mean, he was the villain, and there were parts where I was like, I kind of feel for this dude. Yeah, especially the part with the Soul Stone. Mm-hmm. How he acquired it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, you know, the revealing of his world. I thought that was kind of the worst effect in the movie. Really? Really? Yeah, it looked like a kind of a cheap transition. Well, but, they, but they used it also at Nowhere. It was the same effect. Yeah, it was. And it had this kind of diagonal 
you know, shape to it that went the whole way. I like the wipe. Yeah, it was it was just a wipe. It wasn't very uh, I thought there could have been uh, you know more done with that like trailing through it, but this that's just a, you know, special effects hang up I have and and that was probably the only one because otherwise the movie was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I didn't see too many issues with that. I I so you you wanted it to reveal a little more in 3D space rather than yeah. flat. It that looked very flat, yeah, in my opinion. I have to see it again. I was actually very amazed. I was like, oh, that's really cool. When not the, not visually so much as the idea of the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, he was, you know, pulling the wool over people's eyes. Uh, the reality stone had some cool effects. Like when he made that one person like turn into like a giant spring, like all yeah. of that stuff is right out of the infinity gauntlet. Yeah. The bubbles. Turn, turn Drax yeah, into bubbles. a bunch of blocks. Yeah. That's all. Oh, that was so cool. Oh yeah. That one person, that was Mantis. Mm-hmm. So and, that, that was all right out of the Infinity Gauntlet. It might have been, not been in the same characters, but like I very distinctly remember that part. And the there there were a couple that you know because I was I was looking at the stones, thinking you know, well this this that, um, and he happened to get them in the right order to make things plausible for him to do it. Because I don't know that he would have been able to defeat the Hulk like he had had he not had the Power Stone. Um, yeah, so, true. So, Which basically you know, put the Hulk out of the fight for the rest of the movie, really. Yeah, essentially, because the Hulk basically hid for the rest of the fight because he didn't want to come out because he mm-hmm. got such a his took such a butt whooping. But um, and I loved that they addressed like almost from get go from from the word go they addressed um, one of the first big questions that I had as far as his ability to even get one of the stones, and that was Vision Stone. Because the first thing that I thought of when I saw this movie was, well, Vision can just phase. He can make himself incorporeal. How the hell is he going to get that stone? Mm-hmm. And and they addressed that like right out of the gate, where where you know Vision took the took the blade in the in the abdomen, and he actually says it's preventing my ability to phase. And that that mm-hmm. was all they said. That was all they said. That and that was all they needed to say for me to have that question answered. I was like, oh, okay, that's how they did it. And who you did know, that? I, was that? Uh, I forget who threw the blade. It wasn't the big guy. No, it, it was, was the, Black, the, Black the goblin. The big guy. The goblin. Yes. Yeah, so, okay, Corvus Glaive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he he basically spears Vision through the back, and it comes out the front, and does something to damage Vision's phasing ability. Now, I didn't I didn't need him to go into a big long explanation of why or whatever. I just needed him to address the fact. That all vision has to do is phase, and, and, then nobody can, and then nobody can get the stone. And they totally addressed it, and it was a one line, one line thing, and it, and I was good. I was like, oh, all right, that's how they did it. I, I'm cool with that. I'm okay. They did a lot of really cool stuff like that. Like probably a little more obvious than than the vision one was having Thor's new hammer or the big axe be able to open up a door to the Bifrost so he could get places faster, which allow without having to explain it they say again one line and all of a sudden you can have this great appearance where you don't need to waste a bunch of movie time having him try to get from one place in the universe across the whole place yeah and that part got the biggest crowd reaction um in the theater where yeah. i saw it and the theater i saw it it was captain america showing up that got it like big time for me like everyone everyone cheered when captain america like walked out of the shadows for the first time to save thought, vision and uh, scarlet witch yeah so yeah. that was the one that that got the the big note. Um, and I was, I honestly, 
I, at that scene, I was hoping because I, I was a little disappointed because I actually really wanted the Captain America reveal to be the, and somebody get this man a shield. I wanted that to be his reveal. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure why they didn't have him come back with the shield, although... He gave it I, back to Tony, that's why. I know, I know that, but, you know, they would assume that the shield is at that Avengers headquarters, and I think that's in Virginia, actually. So why, like, wouldn't... I thought it was upstate New York. Is it upstate? Okay, it's upstate New York. Yeah, I believe the Avengers all went there. Like, the ones that had left the Avengers and the current Avengers all went there, so I don't know why he wouldn't just grab a shield, but... Yeah. You know, whatever. There's got to be some point when that happens again. And can I just say, in back back to them, you know, doing the lead in or whatever with um with just with just like one line addressing something. I loved how they basically opened the movie up and let you know right off the bat that there's gonna be consequences in this movie. This isn't gonna be like a superhero movie where they run in and dodge like fifty million bullets and come out completely unscathed. They they actually like pretty much started this movie with a bunch of pretty big name deaths. Yeah. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. Um, we're going to kill all fan favorites and set the tone, you know, so it was the you know, Loki getting his neck snapped oh, yeah. Heimdall before him. Heimdall, Heimdall getting stabbed. Um, countless numbers of Asgardians. Oh which yeah. This movie theoretically takes place almost immediately after Thor Ragnarok, which has a completely different feel to it. Yeah. So they just think about watching those two movies back to back if you decide to watch all of them straight through. Like you go from kind of fun cartoony violence right to actual consequences. Yeah. I mean and and, and it basically opens up with the Asgardian ship in in tatters um being harried very badly by Thanos's ship and Thanos kind of walking or not Thanos, but his his herald kind of walking through the the corpses of Asgardians. With Heimdall really badly injured and who, you know, obviously ends up getting killed. Um, and and I, I actually was worried that he was going to kill the Hulk, too. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, that was that was I think that was a very realistic expectation. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, and, oh, no, there goes the strongest Avenger. Yeah. Thanks, Tony Stark. <laughs> well, if you didn't know that Thanos was going to be a threat up to that point, that pretty much spelled it out. Yeah. And, and I, and I love that they, that they didn't really, cause, cause I don't, I don't feel that you missed anything not seeing that battle scene either with them just coming in right on that battle and showing the repercussions of the battle. I was like, Oh, all right. And that, that sets the tone for the entire movie because that let, that let me in on the fact that it was going to be like the comic where, where Thanos achieves his goal. Mm-hmm. People are going to die. Yeah, Heroes think, are going to die. Now, the other death pre-ending was Gamora. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that one was very heartbreaking, and it almost, in a way, made you feel bad for for Thanos, which is you know, partially the actors, partially the writing, and it was it was a really good kind of poignant death. Well, they, you know, made it a very tough decision. You could see that. Yeah, he and had to kill you're... her to get the soul stone. He couldn't get the soul stone without killing her. And mm-hmm. it was also the biggest surprise in the movie, cameo wise. Even if you want to call it a cameo, were, were you as surprised by who reveals this, that information about the soul stone? Who's been kind of guarding the soul stone? Yes, yeah. I, I recognized him when I saw him, but I was surprised when I found out that it wasn't the actual actor. 
Yeah, the actual actor hated the makeup, so he didn't do it. It was actually the actor from from Walking Dead that was him. It's uh, uh the guy that goes out and tries to find other survivors. Yeah. Really? Is that, is that yeah. Eric? Is it Eric? I don't think it's Eric. I'm not sure. You guys know I haven't watched The Walking Dead in a long time. But but yeah, it wasn't Hugo Weaving. Yeah. yeah which is funny because the uh, people sitting... Did we actually say who it was? I don't remember. I think it's the Red Skull for yeah, those of you. Red Skull. Um, it's it's funny that you mentioned it, it was not Hugo Weaving because I really couldn't tell under the makeup. Yeah, neither could I. But the, the people behind me, the guy whispered over to his friend and said, Oh yeah, that's Hugo, Hugo Weaving from Lord of the Rings. I'm like, it's Red Skull, man. Like, I I thought it was him. I, yeah. Well, yeah, the actor's I, name I, is is Ross Marquand, and he actually ended up on Walking Dead because he used to post a bunch of videos of him doing various voices and and various voice changers changing things. So I think that's why they picked him to kind of try to be as close to Hugo Weaving as possible. Yeah, and. And I thought they did an excellent job because I, I'll admit I did not know that it wasn't Hugo Weaving when I was watching the movie. I didn't find out that it wasn't Hugo Weaving until afterward. And that part, I just that, that was the first. I was like, "Whoa!" I actually made I, I, I try to be as quiet as possible in movies to be polite. And I was like, oh, "I was like, damn, that's one unexpected." And then even when you think about it more, you're like, "Oh, he's been stuck there for seventy years because the movie he was in when he got sucked into the Tesseract was you know, taken took place in the past, so it wasn't even." The 10 years of the movies we know of, it was 70 years from, you know, World War II. Right. So he's been there and he has, I guess he, he's able to live just as long as Captain America because he's got the same serum, albeit a messed up version of it, but he was kind of on the same power, the same life expectancy. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a really cool, uh, turn. Uh, so good. I was going to say, do, do we want to mention, uh, Thanos's crew at all? Because I actually really liked, um, the character design. For, yeah, I do too. It was different, but I liked it. The and and my my favorite looking one, and it might just be because he reminded me of a Warcraft car- character, was the the goblin guy, the goblin looking guy. I guess his name was uh, Corvus Glaive. Yeah, so Corvus Glaive was he was the leader of that group. Theoretically, you don't really know, but in the comics, he is. Oh, see, I would have thought it was that Herald guy, the telekinetic. I thought so too, but Squidward. Squidward. Yep. (laughs) So Corvus Glaive is the, yeah, he's like the goblin guy. He's, he's the leader of, as long as he has that blade in his hand, he's invincible. He can't die. So if he doesn't have it, he can die. Um, and what's funny is you, you call him the goblin guy and whatever. I, I immediately thought of that one thief game that we looked at Rob, the one we were like, should we buy this game? Like when we was, Oh yeah. With the goblin. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of like thought of that, but it's, it's definitely a different look than for all the rest of the movies. I thought that was cool. Like I like that. The fact that there's the ability to do that and take risks. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Black Dwarf, who's the giant Hulk-like creature that had that giant chain weapon. He's basically just the big guy. You know, he's the muscle. He's the the giant hulking creature that, in theory, would go up against the Hulk if the Hulk would show his face. Which he didn't. Yeah. No. Which showed his face briefly, but not the rest of him. No! Yeah. <laughs> uh, Proxima Midnight was the female character that could throw spears. And in, in the comics, she is married to the goblin guy that you like. I would like yeah. to see what that wedding was like. Yeah. And then Ebony Ma was the, was Squidward. And he was, he was kind of a herald. Yeah. He announced him, but in the comics, he was more of a, a manipulator, like behind the scenes. Like he was kind of the cowardly one. He would almost like tele, or telekinetically do stuff. So it was a little different. Like in the comics, he actually 
was inside of Doctor Strange's brain making Doctor Strange, I think, tell Thanos where all the stones were. So, he, like, mm-hmm. he controlled him, and they had to, like, f- realize that Doctor Strange was kind of a double agent in the comics. But in this, I was hoping they wouldn't go that route, because I don't like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I find that more frustrating than interesting. Um, and, of course, uh, I did like that a pop culture reference was able to take that guy out with Spider-Man and his yet another pop that culture really reference. really old movie. Yeah. Just like in Homecoming when he talks about, uh, or in uh, Civil War, when he talks about, you know, knocking down Ant-Man, like in this one really old movie he saw. And he does the same thing using aliens this time. Yeah, we're on Hoth. They drag the tow rope around and take down those big walking robots. Yeah, I thought that was great. I love that reference. Would you stop making pop culture references? (laughs) This really old movie, Aliens? I was like, what? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think Uh, this this is going to bring us towards the kind of last end game of the movie here where everyone gathers on Wakanda. And I think another part of the movie where in my theater where people were really excited and cheered was when they said, I, I know a place where we can go to fix this stone thing because they want to try to separate the stone from Vision's head so that he doesn't die. Right. How'd that yes. work out? <laughs> Poorly. Almost. Almost. But it gave uh, Shuri something to do, which was kind of awesome because I love her. Yeah. But as soon as they mentioned that and then they, they kicked up the, the theme from Wakanda, they you know, people in the, in the theater cheered as well. And... It really started, you know, it was basically all out war from that point on, you know, almost an epic scale of like a, a war from a Lord of the Rings movie, you know, just mm-hmm. straight up battlefield. So what did you think about that? I was, I was more drawn in to the, to the battle of the, what was it? The four or five guys that were fighting Thanos on the other planet. Gotcha. Um, I really liked that battle and how they, how they were so close and Star-Lord effed it all up. Yeah, that's that's actually a pretty important point that Ugh. I have not heard a lot of people talk about. And I th- well, go ahead, go ahead and explain to our listeners what's up, and I'll kind of take it from there. Well, the 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 who was it on the planet? I think it was uh, Drax, Mantis, Star Lord, um, Spider Man, Spider Man, Doctor Strange, and Iron Man. Right? Did I forget yep. anybody? So um, the you know th- they come up with this plan. And they're trying to separate Thanos from the gauntlet. Um, long story short, they get him immobilized. Mantis uses her her basically sleep power on Thanos, and she's kind of holding him back, but she's feeling his emotions, and she's being overwhelmed, and she can barely hold on. They're barely holding him still. They're trying to slide the gauntlet off his hand. They can't get it to slide off his hand. It's coming very, 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 very slowly. And Mantis reveals why he's... And this is where you find out how much... I mean, you had an idea, but this is where you find out how much how much anguish Thanos was actually in for having to sacrifice Gamora, um, and how much he actually loved Gamora as his daughter. But Mantis reveals why he's in so much anguish, and Star Lord can't take it. Um, they've got him held; they've got him under Mantis's spell, and Star Lord loses his mind and says, "Tell me you didn't kill her! Tell me you didn't kill her!" and starts punching Thanos in the face with his gun. Which, of course, wakes Thanos up. They almost had the gauntlet. And just as it was starting to slide off, he punches him in the face, wakes him up. Thanos grabs his gauntlet back and basically ends the fight. And it was so close. It was so close. And you, a lot, you know, it's like, Star-Lord, what are you doing? You were so close. You could have ended it right here. Not looking at it as the movie. Because had he ended it right there, the movie would really have only been half over. Right. Um, One of the things, the, the red 
tentacles that Doctor Strange was shooting out to like hold down uh, Thanos, and that is like classic from his comic books. I forget the name of them, but it's like one of his special powers that they have not shown yet, which I thought was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am wondering if that is not going to be a touchstone point stone, not a not purposeful pun, but a touchstone point. Hey, where we know that oh yeah, we know that the time stone exists. We know that they showed how it was used both in Doctor Strange, but also in this movie. And I'm wondering if they're not going to somehow go back to that point because the they could have ended it all right there. And if they can find a way to get back to that point, they can end it again. Mm-hmm. So I was just wondering if that was that part, partly because it's like, you know, false victory, but partly because it does give another point to possibly undo all the stuff that happened in the movie. Because as we've kind of hinted at, Thanos does eventually survive or win and kill half of all the life of the universe. But we know that of the people that die, and we'll talk about all of them later, some of them have movies that are already slated to come out. They're not going to just stop making Black Panther movies. It, it's the second biggest opening of the year. Right. However, the, one of the things I did think of after that happened, as, as it was resolving and everybody was disappearing, I was like, okay, so the next Avengers movie has to come out before any of these other movies can be released. <laughs> yeah, I, have, I was like, well, I wrote down all the release dates. Um, here real quick uh july 6th ant-man and wasp mm-hmm. next year there's Mar- only two before the next avengers movie correct the next one next. march 8th of next year is captain marvel captain marvel mm-hmm. avengers 4 mm-hmm. is april or sorry may 3rd and then the next one after that is july 5th and that's spider-man 2 or whatever they're going to call it so you know before we get to the next spider-man movie and the next black panther movie everything should be resolved however they're going to do it Right. Mm-hmm. And and let's be honest, it's a comic book movie. The heroes aren't going to stay dead. Let's be honest. But I'm wondering if the ones from before he completes his task might. I'm just wondering. So that would be Heimdall, Loki, and, and Gamora. Gamora. Yes. And I'm not sure about Gamora so much, possibly, but that one has some openings because you do see her as a child later on in the movie. You see her. There's some potential soul stone uh, stuff that they can do to get her back or some more lucky stuff yeah, or possibly Nebula can kind of take her place in the story of guardians of the galaxy, kind of holding that spot of a character, the kind of angry killer, you know, female character um, Nebula could right. kind of slide into that slot. But also, also that scene gave us one of the other, one of the other big aha moments in the movie for me. Um, the, this, the setup for the battle with, um, with Thanos and, and Jimmy, you and I talked about this a little bit uh, earlier, but the the whole it, the whole where they just do like one scene and it explains everything, and I I just love the way they do it. But because there's a point where you're like, well, why would Doctor Strange give the stone to Thanos? He could effectively keep it hidden, and if Doctor Strange dies, there's no way that Thanos is going to get the stone because because Doctor Strange has basically hidden it extra dimensionally or something, you know, and there's no way he's going to find it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, and, they cut to Doctor Strange at one point, and he's kind of in a trance. And right. what are you doing? And he's like, I've looked at 14 million possibilities of how this is going to end. And they ask him, well, do we win any of them? A relatively long pause, and he said, one. How many did we win? Yeah. And he says, one. Yeah. And and later on, Thanos has just about killed Tony Stark. Tony is on his way out. And you're thinking, oh man, this is going to be it. This is going to be it. Well, 
Doctor Strange steps in and says, spare him and I'll give you the stone. And it's like, well, why in the hell would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. You could effectively keep him from ever finishing the gauntlet. And and then it's like, oh, wait a minute. I bet that Iron Man is instrumental in the one version of the reality that he saw where they won. So mm-hmm. Doctor Strange is trying to keep alive the one hope that they have of actually defeating Thanos. And Thanos agrees to it and spares Tony Stark. And when Tony Stark and, got stabbed and went down, my theater gasped. Mm-hmm. Like there were people that were apoplectic in that theater because it was very well acted, and it was it was a through and through with a what, what I think it was like a piece of debris or something or a sword or something. It was all the way through. Mm-hmm. So it looked yeah. it looked like there was no possible coming out of it, especially where Thanos was standing and he was there and whatever. So, um, yeah, I thought that was a just a brilliant piece of writing and. It was telegraphed, and people could, uh, if they thought a second, could do it. But I was very, still very surprised that there was a lot of people in the theater that were like so shocked. Like, why would you do that? He's not a hero anymore. This, you know, these conversations. Like, are you, are you not paying attention? To the Have level? you not been watching the movie? Yeah, which is and, yeah, and, and that's and why I like that they a lot, honestly. There's yeah. little bits I like love that they and there's little bits like we're talking about is why I really like this movie. They don't have to waste any time repeating stuff. So uh, the the one other for near victory that I thought was kind of interesting to me was the uh, Scarlet Witch having to destroy the Soul Stone, or was it not the Soul Stone? It was the Mind Stone in Vision, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. having to destroy that to make sure that Thanos doesn't get it, and she does successfully destroy it, killing basically her love in the in the process, and only to have Thanos revert the stone back to you know, being unbroken. Use the time stone that he was given by Dr. Strange to do that. And that was the other part of the people in my theater where someone was like, someone in the back row screamed like, you're not going to get to, you're not going to get what you want, big boy or something like that. When the stone broke, Ah. it was all like cheering. And that was, I think the closest I came to thinking, Oh, maybe this is all complete in one movie where initially they had said it was going to be two movies. And then they kind of changed it up for the better. I think they said that it was, Gonna be one movie to kind of hide the fact of where it ends, but when that broke, I was you know the people cheered in the theater. People like were trash talking Thanos in the theater, only to have it within seconds be reversed. So. Mm, that's hilarious. That didn't happen in my movie, but I would have laughed. Mm-hmm. The uh, it was weird because my it was, my theater wasn't actually completely full. It was I saw a very late word. I saw like the twelve forty or something like that. And what's funny is I walked and- into the theater. I didn't wait in the line outside and i was the only person in the theater for like 15 minutes and i was like am i not supposed to be here so i kind of peeked my head out of the theater and there was just like this huge line and i already had like the prime seat right in the middle because i'd been sitting in there i just ignored the line <laughs> and no one ever said anything to me so. nice nice and can i just say how great was was the scene the the graphic scene if you will um because i i, I was watching it going oh man wow the scene where thanos plucks the gem out of vision's head mm-hmm and and basically just pushes his fingers into his skull, grabs the gem and plucks it out, and then Vision just kind of goes like a really dull gray, mm-hmm. like every all the color just like drains from him, and his eyes go white and empty. I was like, oh man, that was. I thought it was such an awesome special effects, and, or, and then he uh, just kind of ragdolls to the ground, like the way he fell yeah. on the ground was so physical, like an empty husk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was such a great effect. I was like, oh man, that is that is perfect. So and then and then from there we get one of the other really big 
uh, oh no, was was that here where it happened? No, I think he was already there. I was going to say that was Thor's entrance onto the battlefield as well. But no, he had already been there a little bit, hadn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yep. he did. That that was one of the other big cheers in my theater was when Thor showed up as well. Um, that was the biggest, yeah. Like but but then then they give you then they give you this hope that oh you know maybe maybe they're maybe they're not gonna maybe they're not gonna lose this maybe it isn't gonna isn't gonna go as poorly as what we think because Thor jumps in and basically plants his Thano killing Groot handled axe into Thanos's chest mm-hmm. and it's like oh did we did we just win. What happened? It's like slowly like pushing it in. Yeah, yeah, and and Thanos is in a great amount of pain. And this is the first time that you've really seen Thanos in any kind of pain. Because even when he was fighting the guys on the on his home planet, the other the other Avengers with Doctor Strange and Iron Man and whatever, they only managed to cut his cheek and that was it. I think that might have something to do with it too. Because they played a little bit too much attention to like the thing about blood. It's like all of that for one drop of blood. It's yep. like, well, did Tony Stark do that on purpose? To try to get a sample of his blood for some reason. I don't that I don't know if that's me looking too deep into it, but I thought that was kind of a thing. Ooh. Maybe that, I, get, I I hadn't even thought about that, but I guess that's that is perfectly feasible. Um, the, the Thor thing I thought was really interesting because when he appeared on the battlefield, it almost immediately took me back to some of the scenes versus the ice giants, these giant battle scenes that were in the second Thor movie and the third Thor movie, mm-hmm. where he destroys you know all sorts of demons and ice giants and whatever else. It reminded me a lot of Ragnarok when he landed on the Bifrost, when he landed mm-hmm. on the bridge and yep. started taking out um, Hela's minions. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they did it on purpose. And when you see these movies, especially Thor, you know that Thor's had you know decades, thousands of years even beforehand of fighting all manner of huge giant villains. So mm-hmm. Thanos is, at the time seems like oh, it was just another something that he has to face, especially when he has the ax in his chest. And then it turns out a little differently. Yeah. Because Thanos, because he basically planted that ax in his chest, the Groot handled ax. Um, that's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> that's what um, it is. And, and he, uh, he basically plants his ax in this, in Thanos's chest and Thanos gives him the line. You should have gone for the head and then snaps his fingers. And just like that, Thanos wins. And basically, you see all sorts of characters start to just dis- disintegrate into dust. And I know it was coming. Rob knew it was coming. I'm guessing Jimmy didn't know it was coming because you haven't read the story. And no. apparently, no one else in my theater knew it was coming because people started <laughs> freaking out, at least amongst mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I thought that the characters that were going to die were going to die by battle um, by having mortal wounds, but they all just started to disintegrate mm-hmm. and it was, it was tough, especially the death of Spider-Man. Oh, he did that so well. Which now, Greg, I, you actually had a very interesting. So Spider-Man basically is on the other planet, runs towards Tony Stark, kind of says, I don't feel so good. And then like, is like, I, I don't want to die. And that whole scene, uh, Tom Holland, 100% improvised. Like he was supposed to just die and he improvised that line and that hurt. That was, I don't think you can ask a single person about the movie, like which was the most shocking part or the most emotionally distressing part of the movie in that part. Cause he's a, you get the realization of he's just a kid. Yeah. He's still in high school. Mm hmm. And, and there's real life stakes, which we talked about already. Uh, Mm -hmm. that one was crazy. 
I thought the way they handled Black Panther was crazy because he they show someone else on the ground and you think that that other person is going to disintegrate and then he disintegrates and you get a little bit of a shock because you're like, well, this person was just in a multi-million dollar movie. Yeah. And now, I mean, again, you know what's going to happen, but you know, that was shocking. Um, I think most of the Guardians disintegrated. The only one left is Rocket. Yeah. Because Groot disintegrated, Drax disintegrated, Mantis disintegrated, Star-Lord disintegrated, Gamora was already dead. Mm-hmm. So it's just Rocket left. Tony's left. Falcon is not. Falcon disintegrated. Can 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 I just say that the one person, the one person that I thought was gonna die didn't die? <laughs> Who was that? Because I thought it was their out. I thought it, I thought it was this person's out because I knew that they wanted out, and that's Chris Evans. Mm. I knew that Chris Evans wanted out, and I I honestly thought that this was going to be where they killed Captain America, and basically Bucky Barnes stepped in and took up the mantle of Captain America. And but Bucky disappeared, disintegrated. Yes, I mean all of the original Avengers are the ones that lived. So Thor, Captain America, you know, it, uh, Hulk, 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 and they're they're so and those are the ones that are going to be most and Tony Stark, of course, they're going to be the ones most likely to win in the end. Yeah, but Doctor I'm Strange disintegrated. Yeah, Doctor Strange. And those are a lot of the ones that disintegrated are the ones that are have movies coming out. So my guess is, of course, that our heroes are going to have to sacrifice themselves for the greater good in the next movie. Because they, they're the ones that, you know, are the oldest, have been with the franchise the longest, and have the contracts that are expiring and are hard to afford at this point. Um, and again, I know I keep on mentioning the people around me, but like... This is the big part where people I'm like shocked that people don't understand how the movie business works. Like Mm -hmm. they just got this Spider-Man into place. He had a huge movie. I believe it was one of my best of the year, either first or second. I think it was in your guys lists as well. Yeah, it's definitely up there. And they're not just going to get rid of him like that. Like, come on, people. There's going to be there's so many vehicles for bringing these characters back, whether it's the Soul Stone or the Time Stone or any of these kind of things. And, it's just get the, following the story to get there. And what I was telling Jimmy was the best the best way that I can describe this movie without giving anything away. I know we've I know we've completely spoiled like most of the movie at this point. But if anybody asks you, the best way that I can describe this movie is this movie is the Avengers franchise's Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, it is. It it has a it has a very ominous and somber tone to it. Um, there is a little bit of hope in that not everybody is dead, but I mean, just like the way that empire ended, I mean, they, you know, the empire is basically on top, they're winning and, you know, Luke's lost his hand. I mean, he's still alive, but you know, I, it, Han Solo is being taken away by some bounty hunters. In yeah. Frozen. Yeah. And so to, to me, this is their empire strikes back. And, and I thought it was brilliantly done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, we didn't spoil one thing. Uh, we didn't spoil the Tobias Funke appearance. Oh, well, let's did fix you, that. Did you see the, the Tobias Funke, uh, uh I, appearance? I did not. Do you know who that is? I, I not right now. No, I, I did read about that, but I've forgotten. So he is, um, David Cross's character in Arrested Development. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. He is the guy that in a certain episode, in one of the episodes from like 2004, he wanted to join the Blue Blue Man group as the kind of a walk-on. So he painted himself blue and he is in the collector's like collection in one of the tubes 
as it's not David Cross, but because he was busy doing something, but he was in there and it was definitely him because the, um, the brothers, the Russo brothers that directed this movie got their start working for <laughs> Arrested Development. So they put him in there and it, it's also the second Arrested Development reference because in the Civil War battle on the, um, in the airplane tarmac is, uh, you see the airplane stair car that one of the characters drove around in Arrested Development, like one of season two or th- something. So it was done on purpose, obviously, because they, they like to throw back to that. So I just thought that was a kind of a funny cameo. And there, although it does bring up the fact that there weren't a lot of other Easter eggs in this movie, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. There, there were a couple because I remember looking, looking some of them up, but they weren't, they weren't any of like the, um, the, like the big Easter eggs that we've seen in like other movies. I mean, like some of the ones that I saw listed were the, uh, the end credit scene. You know, they talked about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, um, I mean, the axe hammer was one of them, but beyond that wasn't, uh, too much. Which I, I mean, it kind of makes sense because the whole movie is one giant Easter egg, really, because they're finally bringing everything together. Right. But it's not like Doctor Strange was pulling random objects out of the sky or like they're finding some secret weapon that was an Easter egg to some Fantastic Four comic at one point or the Fantastic Four didn't show up or any of that kind of stuff. It was, you know, it was pretty much a straightforward, you know, quest and war movie. So, yeah. And like you said, I, I, I loved it. I, it kept me up that night. You know, I had to drive the next day and after seeing that movie, I, it was five in the morning until I could finally fall asleep because I was just thinking about, the different battles and how things played out. So I really enjoyed it. I mean, I didn't get done with the movie till about three, so it wasn't that hard. I loved Rocket asking the Winter Soldier for his arm. <laughs> uh, that that callback, yes, that's another character callback. The him having yeah. an eye for Thor, and it was I think an eye he stole in Guardians of the Galaxy too. Yeah, yeah, that was great. And then he tried to get the Winter Soldier's arm mm-hmm. and gun yeah. and his gun. Yeah, when he was like. And it would, it, that's just how genius they are. Like they'll put like these things that seem like throwaway jokes and then they'll have it actually mean something later on. Just shows how like forward thinking or at least how much they remember what they've done enough to like go back and like, oh, maybe we should have that be a part. So it was, it was cool. Oh, there was one I forgot too. That was another callback. They, they started out one. They started out the movie with a callback. What was that? Um, from the original Avengers, when Loki says, I have an army, and Tony says, we have a Hulk. Mm-hmm. Loki says that to Thor. We have a Hulk. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. A, yeah. So all these little, all these little finger, you know, fingers and tentacles kind of keeping everything together. So mm-hmm. I'm going to see it again in the very near future. I'm excited about that. And, you know, maybe I'll be able to see a little bit more. But uh, uh, do you guys have anything else you'd like to say about the movie? Absolutely excellent. You should check it out. If you haven't if you haven't seen it, I I highly recommend it, and I would say it is a theater movie. It's, yes, it's not necessarily one that you want to wait till it till it comes out on video. Oh, actually, that reminds me of something. Two two things actually. One, I saw it in three D. I would not suggest that, and I will tell you why. Because the early scenes of the movie, because it's taking place on like a battle damaged ship, have a lot of like fog in the foreground, mm-hmm. and I thought that my contacts were blurry for the first like 15, 20 minutes of the movie. Mm. And it like, I was like constantly taking out my glasses and like, I mean, I'm looking at the glasses to see if I had like gotten something on them or whatever. And it's just cause they put all that fog in the front in 3d. So it makes everything look dull. I would suggest maybe seeing an IMAX, but not 3d IMAX. And also we did not talk about the after credit scene. So that's... yeah, I, I, I actually saw it in 3d IMAX and I thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I just saw regular 3d. So maybe it was a little different, but 
Anyway, um, anyone want to take the after credit scene? Um, it's so as as the credits are winding up, you've got uh, you've got a car that's driving through what looks like New York, I'm guessing, um, because you know all major cities in these movies are New York. So he's there's somebody driving through through a city, and you you find out you you go inside the car and you find out it's Maria Hill and Nick Fury. And they're talking about what's going on. And then this is where you start to see the effects of, of the Thanos snap and people are starting to disappear. And, you know, one of the thoughts I was thinking is this was going on. I'm like, Oh, cause this helicopter, obviously the pilot has disintegrated and there's no pilot in this helicopter. The helicopter crashes into this building. And I'm like, how many people did that helicopter just kill that weren't supposed to die yet because they hadn't disintegrated, you know, cause he, he theoretically took half but what happens, you know, if a plane full of people and the pilot is the only one who disappears, he, he took away more than half. Mm-hmm. But anyway, anyway um, they, there's, there's a car that comes out of nowhere, it wrecks, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. They walk up to the car and the car's empty. Um, at which point, Nick Fury hears Maria say, Nick, or, or something, and he turns around and she's disappearing. And he's like, oh my God. And he goes to the back of his truck and pulls something out. And like, he's almost like he's texting a message to somebody. Um, and he's, he's working with this thing and he starts to feel weird and he looks at his hand and he's starting to disappear. And before he can even finish his Samuel L. Jackson expletive, he disintegrates. (laughs) And, and the communicator that was in his hand, because you find out it's a communicator falls to the ground and you see a picture on the communicator. It says sending, 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 and then a picture shows up. And mm-hmm. I don't think most people in my theater knew what that picture was. I don't think a lot I'll of go ahead and, I'll go ahead and tell you, the picture is Captain Marvel's logo. Mm-hmm. So it's the, the intro to It looks to their, like the top half of her costume. Like the, yeah. Like goes across her shoulders and her chest. Right, right. The the star with the line through it and the red and the, was it red and black or red and dark red, blue? Red, maybe, and yellow. Yeah. And Captain Marvel is a cosmically powered superhero that is infinitely powerful forgive the pun and has another movie coming out obviously pretty soon a couple things i thought were interesting the movie is a throwback movie i think it's set in the 80s and like late 80s and the thing that he's talking on looks like a late 80s pager that's been Mm -hmm. souped up so it definitely kind of has that it it definitely ties into that whole late 1989 kind of vibe which i thought was pretty cool and it's also the first time you realize that oh this wasn't just a bat, uh, villain versus hero snap of a finger kill everybody. It was on a global scale and universal scale, as we know. So I thought that that was kind of a, an interesting way of showing it. It wasn't just, oh, they killed half of the heroes and the people in the battle. It was everyone. So good way of showing that and a good way of ending. Yeah. The sequel, they said, is going to li- begin literally minutes after the end of this movie. Uh, of course, we have to wait a year for that to happen, but it will begin... You know, it's going to basically take place right afterwards. So we'll have to see what that brings to us. And that, of course, brings us to our question. Good question. Yes. And what is that question? Well, our question this week, since it is the basically 10 years of Marvel movies, what are your top five Marvel movie moments? And we are not going to try to combine them because I think everyone has different opinions on those so we'll see what happens. So I'll go ahead and start. My top five moments from 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Number five is Iron Man reveals himself to the world. Number four, and this could be higher, but it's Captain America and Bucky versus Iron Man. It's such a beautifully choreographed fight. Yeah. Oh, oh I thought it was the best. It was like a dance. Flipping the, the shield back and forth and just, oh, yeah, it was it said yeah. a lot too that fight, just the the aggression, but also the fact that Cap and Bucky have known each other for so long, even though they hadn't seen each mm-hmm. other in a while. But yeah, it was it was beautifully done fight. Uh, number three is the funeral for Yondu from Guardians wow. of the Galaxy Two. That was great. Yeah, yeah, tear. It was sad, but you also realize that maybe he wasn't you know so much of a scumbag, and he had a lot more to do with shaping the Guardians than mm-hmm. you initially thought. Number two, Hulk smashes Loki. <laughs> yes. Uh, puny God. Puny God. As Thor just kind of slaps him around like a dead fish. Or, I'm sorry, Hulk smashes him around like a dead fish. And my number one is Hulk smashes Thor. <laughs> I thought it was great when they were sitting in the arena and oh Loki, that one yeah 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 Loki was just kind of like oh yeah that's how it feels i thought that was a, a great moment that part's good i also liked it in the avengers too when he does the side punch yes oh yeah but it's it's interesting because um you went with beautiful action scenes also you know funny scenes very and poignant scenes mm-hmm. a lot of uh, i can go i'll go next um and a lot of what i picked were stuff that almost led up to this movie mm-hmm uh, Iron Man came out about 10 years ago. I was trying to look back at where I was. I had at that time and Iron Man was my favorite comic hero when I was reading comics as a kid, because when we were playing with all my friends, I was the youngest and everyone wanted to be Captain America or the Hulk or Thor. And Iron Man was kind of the afterthought. So they always stuck me as the afterthought. Cause I was like three years younger than them. So he was my favorite. And I used to collect Iron Man comics specifically before I got into like X-Men and all that stuff. When Iron Man first kind of does that, goes back to the city, like the the village, and destroys the tank in the first Iron Man movie and, like, the little, like, shoulder missiles and kind of does that landing thing where he, like, lands and, like, goes down to one knee kind of thing. That was my – that's my number five because that was the first time that I was like, wow, they could really pull off a good Iron Man movie because it looked good. Mm -hmm. So that's my number five. Uh, my number four lines up with one of Jimmy's, and that is, of course, Hulk smashing the puny god. Uh, you know, Hulk crushing Loki. Mm-hmm. It was just such a funny scene, and it was like, showed his power. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three is very recent, and that's going to be the snap of the finger in in Infinity War. I've seen that scene a million times in comics. I've read Infinity Gauntlet three times that I remember, but I'm sure it's been more than that. And that snap, you know, it's I've read it, and it played out kind of how I expected it to, except it wasn't on the moon, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, the other one also came, another one comes from the Avengers movie by number two, and that is at the very end, or from the Iron Man movie, at the very end of the Iron Man movie, one of the first ever after, it is the first ever after credit scene for the Marvel movies, was Nick Fury asking about the Avengers initiative, because that was really the first time that we knew that they actually had bigger plans in store for these characters. So that was the big one. I was like, whoa, oh, are they really going to go there and make a full Avengers movie? So the Nick Fury asking about the Avengers initiative is number two. And number one, the Avengers assemble scene in the Avengers movie where Captain America kind of basically takes the lead. I, I'm not sure entirely how it plays out in order, but 
a cop, I think, tells Captain America, you know, like, why should we be listening to you? He beats down an alien, and then the cop is like, okay, listen to this guy. And then basically he calls together everybody and tells them what to do, and they do that cool sweeping camera scene around all of the characters that they're kind of in a circle around Captain America. Mm-hmm. And without saying Avengers Assemble, it was the first time that they really fought as a team. And I've seen it a ton of times, and I get adrenaline every time. So that would be my number one. All right. So I, this this is really hard. I mean, they're, they're at 19 movies now, and there are so many just great scenes throughout the entire Marvel Universe. And to have to boil it down to five is, is going to be difficult. And I think it... At at least one of these, I'm going to cheat a little bit simply because I like what they did. But I'll, I'll get to that in a second because I'll, I'll start with my number five as probably the one scene that launched the entire Avengers franchise. And that's going to be the introduction of Iron Man in his very first suit that he made in the while he was a prisoner. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. When he walks out of the cave and yeah, and destroys and, a bunch of like terrorists and also the guitarist from Rage Against the Machine. Exactly. Exactly that one because he Tom needed. Morello? Yeah, he's one of the terrorists. Oh. Um, so, so that's going to be my number five. Is the introduction of Iron Man in his suit, in his first suit, is going to be my number five. Um, my number, my number four is probably going to be the battle from Captain America: Civil War between the two different factions. Um, I really liked how they set all of that up, it, and it. The fact that that scene is in there is simply because that was the payoff, but they had been setting that up for a while. And just getting that payoff, that entire scene, I thought was absolutely fantastic. And with everything that they did with Spider-Man and Ant-Man and just everybody going all different ways and everybody kind of fighting each other, I thought it was just absolutely fantastic. So that's going to be my number four. The airport. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, My number three is going to be the, the combo one that I was talking about, simply because I love that throughout several movies, they actually referenced back to it. And that's going to be the combination of the puny god uh, Thor battle um, where Loki jumps up and is like, yeah, that's how it feels, you know? Mm-hmm. Because that scene actually made me laugh out loud. I was in the theater and I was and I just started laughing out loud because I thought it was so hilarious that they actually referred back to that scene because I remember laughing at that scene when it first happened where he grabbed him and he was in the middle of this big dramatic speech and Hulk just grabs him and flops him around like a dead fish and beats him into the ground. And Loki lays there and he's like, ow. And well, even and, the fact that Loki's scared of Hulk when he first sees him in the beginning of Thor Ragnarok, he's like, I got to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, ah, I got to go. <laughs> so I, I love that they actually, that they actually referred back to those scenes and they, and you know, they just kind of brought it full circle. Um, and I got to slide in the, the, the sideways punch on Thor in the original Avengers there. I mean, a, a lot of Hulk's, a lot of Hulk, uh, Hulk had a lot of like the really good, uh, comedic relief moments and they all came at like the perfect time. It, it, they didn't seem forced. They were just kind of thrown in there and they were, they were great scenes and they kind of relieved the tension. It, they've just used the Hulk absolutely beautifully in these movies. So that's going to be my number, my number three. Um, my number two. I'm probably going to have to go with Thanos' victory. No, no, you know what? Ah, I just I just wrecked my number one. That's going to be my number one. My number two is probably going to be... Rob yeah. just argued with himself. I, 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 I'm, having such a, I'm having such a hard time with this because my, uh-huh. my, number, my number two is probably going to be Yondu's funeral. And I hadn't even thought about that until you said that, Jimmy. Damn you. Yeah. 
So that was rough. Yeah, Yandu's Yandu's funeral. It, it it really hits you in the feels. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. And and thinking of Yandu's funeral really made me think of Phil Coulson's death too. And I was like, oh man, that was such a that was such a powerful moment in that movie as well. Um, when totally Loki, was. when Loki kills Coulson, I was like, oh, it was. But he came back and he's been running the the Agents of Shield show, so that kind of yeah, in but a way they, wipes it out. But they haven't really mentioned that in the movie universe. The Angels of Shield show has been going on, but they haven't really mentioned it in the MC in the uh, the movie universe. And I'm wondering how they're going to handle half of the world being dead in that show or any of the Netflix shows. I'm guessing they're not right because Luke Cage season two is getting ready to start. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm guessing they're not. And I'm, it's the fact that Avengers four is going to start four minutes afterwards. It might be something that they undo it before it ever happens, meaning they don't have to talk about it in the Netflix shows, stuff like that, which have found a way to separate themselves a little bit. Right. Well, and maybe that's how they do it with uh, Ant-Man and Captain Marvel. But, you know, I, I I would, I would be disappointed if they don't make some kind of reference. Well, Captain Marvel is taking place before it ever happens. It's, it is taking place in 1989 or so. Oh, 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 gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um, But for Ant-Man to go on and just not say anything, I'd be like, "Mm, what? And then have a movie come out a year later that kind of reverses it. That, that would kind of, to me, that would kind of disrupt their timeline a little bit. You know what I yes, mean? Yes, okay. agree. Um, anyway, continue. So, yeah, okay. So, so that yeah, the Yondu funeral is going to be my number two. And, of course, the number one is going to be Thanos' victory. The finger snap, the the vanishing, and thus making the consequences real, even for superheroes um, in the Marvel Universe, where where Thanos snaps his fingers and then the subsequent ripple effect that happens with everybody disappearing. I I thought was brilliantly done. They did a fantastic job. I realized the story was there, but they deserve some credit for not effing up the story. And for being brave enough to do it. Exactly. Exactly. There's, there's kids out there buying toys. There's kids out there that are, there's going to be kids crying as a result of what happened. Cause you're not gonna be able to explain this guy just signed a seven picture deal. He's only at picture two. <laughs> Right. And and there were, there were others that, that didn't make it into my list. Like I said, the Coulson death I wanted to put in there. The, the Avengers battle, the, the first Avengers battle, like you were saying, where the camera kind of circles around them as they're standing in the middle of the Chitari. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it it was, there's just so many great scenes. It's hard to boil it down to five, but I'll, I'll, I'll stick with those five. Cool. Well, I think that takes us to the end. And, uh, do you have any last words? Avengers. Infinity War, go see it in the theater. It's fantastic. Agreed. It, it yes. might be in my top five. Wow. Thank you for listening. And remember, when making microwave popcorn, always be vigilant. Well, guys, it is time to jump up. Yeah, really? Jump up? Jump up, jump up, and get down. All right, crisscross. That's House of Pain. Yes, it is. But that part won't be in.